0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com
1: Good evening and welcome to the Rabbi and Epstein Show number 7 here tonight um, with a very, very, very special guest. A few months ago, being that I'm part of our Yitzhak Yeshiva in Brooklyn, the Yeshiva went on a very um, interesting, fascinating Shabbaton, which they go once a year. The highlight of this year's Shabbaton was supposed to be (laughs) Matzah when they brought in a hypnotist to hypnotize somebody um, from the crowd and, you know, put on a show. Now, many years ago, I was hypnotized. And when you become hypnotized once, you become susceptible to becoming hypnotized again. My wife said to me, when the hypnotist came on stage, he said, who here wants to be hypnotized? And I said, hey, go on, you go on stage. And I said, no, no, I'll just sit in the audience. And Sitting in the audience, listening to the hypnotist go through his routine of you're getting sleepier and sleepier and sleepier and heavier and heavier and heavier and and your eyelids are drooping, I started to feel myself sinking into a deep state of hypnosis. And after a few minutes, I was laying in the crowd with my head on my chest and my hand floating in the air, (laughs) just following the instructions of the hypnotist. Needless to say, they brought me on stage and it was a very, very interesting hour for those who are there. For those who are not there, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> it's not one of those videos that we want circulating around, certainly not on Torah anytime. But as part of this routine, the hypnotist had asked me various things. And part of hypnosis, it goes into the deep parts of your brain, the subconscious. And the hypnotist talks really, really fast. And you can't really almost follow his instructions, but the deep part of your brain is listening and it's processing things. And one of the things that he said that night, that fateful evening, as I like to call it, (laughs) was pick somebody who was on this Shabbaton, who you enjoy listening to them, and you are going to become that person for the next few minutes. And immediately, my body was filled up with images of Reb Moshe Meyer Weiss speaking throughout the Shabbos. His every nuance, his his every gesture, every little part of how he spoke became flashing into my mind with different classes and snippets, and pieces of advice that he had given out over the whole Shabbos. So for the next few minutes, I became um, Rabbi Weiss, who I profusely, profusely, profusely um, apologized to many, many times. Um, And Rabbi Weiss was gracious enough to accept um, an invitation to come here tonight. But before I introduce Rabbi Weiss, I want to share just a a thought that came out of that that evening, something that I've been telling people ever since then. What's the nimshal of, of hypnosis? What's the nimshal? It's all fun and games for those who are watching, not for the one who's, who's up on stage, but what's the nimshal for the person who goes through it? And what sh- what struck me after the fact was, as they would say in Yiddish, it's da. It's all there in your brain. We forget everything, but it's all there. The end of the day, when you hear a speech, when you hear a shir, when you read a book, it's alt da. It becomes a part of your subconscious. Somebody can... Reach in there and pull it out, but it's all there. It just has to be mined, that information. We are Zaycha Bar Hashem as part of our Yitzhak to have Rabbi Weiss once a year, the exposure to Rabbi Weiss, to his teachings, to his classes. But there are many others who have been exposed through various mediums throughout the years, throughout the decades. And Bar Hashem, it's a tremendous place to have Rabbi Weiss on here tonight. Now, before I introduce and go through who Rabbi Weiss is, which he doesn't really need an introduction. I wanted to tell our audience just a few things. The first thing is many people have emailed me um, and everybody is welcome to do that. They could email, email at marriagepro.co um, and I try to get back to as many people as I can. You can also find these classes as well as all the other shows and classes that we've been streaming either on podcast or torahanytime.com. Um, and everybody, of course, should be signing up to the torahanytime.com daily dose at 929-355-4268. Now, with all that being said, Rabbi Weiss is many things, many many hats. One, rabbanish hat, the the, the that hat, the rub of the uh, Agudas of Staten Island, um, as well as many other things. Giving a dafyomi for decades, Rabbi Weiss may not know this, but my father covered um, a daf about 25 years ago, I believe. In Rabbi Weiss, I don't know what happened that night, but he couldn't make it, and my father got the call to prepare that daf. My father told me. He said, I never, I never put so much kaychas into, into clarifying, to bring everything down to every word being measured and giving over um, a daf as clear as it possibly could be. Now now that I had uh, coronavirus and I was very, very sick in bed, I told my wife, I probably should have no kaychas to learn, but I wanted to learn. So I said, oh, like, open my Gemara and let's just put on Rabbi Weiss. I'm in Baba Basra right now. Find Rabbi Weiss on Baba Basra and let's go. And Rabbi Weiss daily was my chavrusa, even though he doesn't know it. So he's been... Mashfiya, so many people for so many years, as well as Mishne Yamis, giving a chumash here in Landel Shul, an international speaker, as well as the author of Passionate Judaism, Meaningful Living, Challenging Times, Rabbi Weiss, Sanyam Nurayim, Powerful Benjing, as well as Kala Lushan, Facebook. Rabbi Weiss, it just keeps going on and on and on. I think we're going to be here for 90 minutes just talking about who you are. And then we're going to say thank you very much. We'll have you back on from far too. So, first of all, Rabbi Weiss, thank you so much for giving of your precious time and for being here tonight and joining us um, here this evening. Um, I wanted to open up with just, just a, an idea that you had mentioned in one of your talks at our which I found very, very impactful, something which I always like to think about. You know, that evening that I was hypnotized, um, one of the things that the person had me do was he made me into a 119-year-old person. Um, and then he said, you know, tell us about the Holocaust. And I was flooded with images of of the Holocaust and the war and all of those things. And if you remember, I started shaking and I started crying. It was like... The, the generations from the Holocaust to now, to me, it's like, it, it's, it's like from the ashes. It's, it's such a dichotomy. It's unbelievable. And I remember that at one point, Rabbi Weiss, you said, um, you said, anyone who can tell the difference between tasting Pepsi and Coke, if you could taste the difference between those two products, you would not have survived five minutes in Auschwitz. They would open those cattle cars. And how do you view where we came from as a people sort of to where we are today in 2020.
0: Well, first of all, Rabbi Epstein, it's an honor and a privilege to be on your show. And I think what you're doing is wonderful. And Hashem should give you a I Amen. Um, actually, my father, Rabbi Aaron Zbibir, a mayor, who was in Auschwitz uh, and uh, survived three selections in front of Mengele, Yemach, Shemay V'Zichrei. He told me that we used to have, my brother and I, and Yosavashi uh, Yisrael myself, I'm the oldest, we used to each have a sugared cereal. So well, I was uh, super honey smacks. And <laughs> one brother was uh, Fruit Loops or Fruity Pebbles. Everybody had. And my father looked at it and, and said that if you, you need to have your own sugared cereal, you want to survive for five minutes in Auschwitz. That's, that's what he told us. And I think that many people of their generation would not have survived uh, with the temptations that we have today with the internet and everything else. I think that every generation has its challenges. That's why it says dar, dar Dar every generation and it's darshanim on and every generation and its leaders uh we don't need anybody to t- t- talk about the avaytsar of baal and astros uh and uh, today we don't have the temptation of you know uh worrying about dying but even though now people are but it's not the same you know, I think about Anne Frank, who was in an attic for 700 days plus, in a small attic. That's quarantine. You know, our quarantine is in a beautiful home with plumbing and gourmet food delivered to the door. It's a different type of quarantine. But every generation has its own challenges. I remember I went to elementary school in Yeshiva first, Torah, which was on 16th Avenue and uh 58th street we lived on 14th avenue and 46th street i had to walk two blocks to get the 16th avenue bus at 46th and 16th to go by bus 10 blocks so uh one morning it snowed two feet so i said to my father i won't go to school so my father said what for two blocks He says when he was my age, he walked two miles to Cheyder in the snow without boots. So it was a different time and different challenges. We wouldn't be able to survive those challenges. I know I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. My father told me that he was in a barrack with 90 people. There was a triple-decker bed that he shared with more than one person. And he says rats were crawling at his feet. Rats, not mice, rats. Mm-hmm. Nibbling at his toes. And you went to sleep anyway. Because if you didn't, then you fell asleep at the quarry the next day and they shot you. So, you know, this is mm-hmm. something that we just, it's impossible for us.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Meaning every, every generation has its its misguiness. Theirs was maybe more physical... And maybe even at certain times it was spiritual, but it was, it was that, it was catered to that dar. Right. It, was catered, it, it was catered to who they were. This, so, meaning a lot of people now are very focused on, on, on COVID and coronavirus. You know, I, I don't want this show to focus on it, you know, too much, but meaning anything, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's um, a shidduch crisis, whether it's any, any Nisayan, it's a catered Nisayan for That's that correct. time.
0: That's correct. We, today we wouldn't have been able. They they were in cattle cars without uh, anywhere to go to the bathroom. They 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 didn't have any food. They didn't have a bed to sleep on. Our um, tender and fastidious generation would just not cope with it. But uh, we have our own different challenges. I mean. Uh, a child could, on unsupervised internet, could see things in 10 minutes that they didn't see in Myra. So our, our generation has its own challenges.
1: Yeah. Wow. Now, you're, 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 you're again, you wear many hats. You come from many different things. But I wanted to start off from the beginning with you. How did you get into Rabbanas? Is this something that you always knew you were going to do? Um, I know you had mentioned, and this was actually one of the things that I had, I had um, mimicked at that at, at Fateful Evening, um, when I said that, you know, your father had wanted you to, be, to, to become a doctor, if I'm not mistaken, right? And then That's you ultimately, ultimately went into Rav Banas. How did, how did that happen? What was your, your path, just getting to, to the starting line, I guess, if you will, of Harbatsa Satyra?
0: Well, first of all, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I never had an aspiration to be a Rav. Um my father, as is common for many holocaust survivors um Hitler was terrible to the malaamdan and to the Rabonin. and he saw that in the camp how terrible they were treated, so he, as many holocaust survivors they they had such a desire to give to their children what they didn't have i re- I remember by my bar mitzvah, I had a weekend bar mitzvah in the Pine View Hotel. If those were, those of you that are older will remember the Pine View Hotel, this was before the Homewood and after the Pioneer. So there was the Pine <laughs> View Hotel, and um, mm-hmm. uh, my father was not a wealthy man, but he didn't have a bar mitzvah to speak of. You know, he, he, it was. It was taken away by 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 the Germans. Yimakshu So he told me he wanted to, me to have a bar mitzvah that I would always remember, and I and I do. I remember him telling me, "I want you to have a bar mitzvah that you should remember." And he put a lot of effort in that. So that because the Nazis treated the Malamdim so badly, he wanted me to not suffer that fate. As a matter of fact, he was so. He was in America still scared of the Nazis. He he didn't give... He, yes. He did not give myself I'm the bukhar We're four boys. I'm the bukhar My brother, Yaisab Asher, is Rebrew M. Feinstein's Adam, son-in-law. He's second. I was given the name on the birth certificate mark. And my brother was given author. And it was Only till eleven years later, when my the third boy was born, that he felt safe to give the name Yisroel Dov. Uh, He wasn't. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know, (laughs) my father. On one day, it was on Shavuos. He was in the second transport from Salish, the second Salish transport. On the day that he was transported to Salish, they gassed his father. Mother, four brothers, and one sister. In one day, that's what he lost. Wow. So you know. So my father saw that, and he he wanted me to be a doctor. He, he wanted in those days my son, the doctor, was nowadays it's not the same anymore. But <laughs> with, with insurances and everything. But uh, although now we we all, I have such respect for our doctors now. They went into harm's way. They went into hospitals. They saved so many of our people. Now, my 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 respect for all doctors are, is so high now. What they do, and I always I'm for them and our nurses. But anyway, um, so my father wanted me to be a doctor, and what happened was is I had a seventh grade rebbe, Rabbi Michal Miller, who was Reverend Victor Miller's nephew. And he was like his Misham Mishra and Aliyah, like Rev Miller. He was a Masmid Nifla, incredibly diligent, and a tremendous Tamil chacham. And he was my seventh grade Rebbe. And he wanted me to go to Yeshiva Statn al Rav And he used a strategy, convinced my father that he'll skip me from seventh grade in order that I should gain a year. And my father liked that strategy. So I I went to Yeshiva Staten Island, and I was, you know, this Hungarian spoiled boy. You know, my father and my mother, Zolzak Gizont, was listening to this, so I want to give a shout out to my mother, who gave me everything wonderful, uh, Mrs. Weiss Goldman and Agnes Weiss Goldman, and she, um, uh, so they, they skipped me from seventh grade to Yeshiva Staten Island, where I was the spoiled boy, like I said, and the idea of going to a dormitory that you could only go home once a month was not something that I really looked forward to, you know, And uh, but I but I heard he passed away right before COVID, Rav Gershon Weiss. I heard Rav Gershon Weiss who wrote Samson's Struggle. Um, I heard his navishir and I was hooked. I said, wow, I never heard Torah like this and I just was hooked. And then I went to yeshiva and And after high school, my father said, okay, time for the SATs and time for college. Mm -hmm. And uh, by that time, I was Mishamesh Ramosha. And my father, Ramosha, was a big microabonin. And Ramosha told my father that it would be a shame for me to become a doctor. And my father said, okay. (laughs) Ramosha said, okay. And uh, I continued learning the yeshiva. And I had... Like I said, I had no aspirations to be a Rav. Um I figured I would probably be a Magidsher. I loved to learn and to be Makhadish. And I want to tell you, uh, Rabbi Epstein, because I know you have a lot of listeners that listen to this to learn things, and you have young listeners. Um, I would say that my biggest preparation of being a Dafyemi Magidsher And a Rav is that I made it a point in yeshiva throughout my yeshiva days. I was in yeshiva Staten Island from uh, 1970 to 1982. 12 years. And all that time I always learned one Seder with a younger Bachar. And I explained them the Gemara. And that was my training to become a Baal And that was my training to give a shir. And that's but I did not plan. What happened was, is Rabbi Pollack, who's the senior Rub in Staten Island, wanted somebody to start the Dafyami in the early 80s by that cycle. I don't know if it was 1982 or whatever, 83. And uh, they asked uh, somebody here, Paul Trenk, to call up the yeshiva of Staten Island. They asked for someone else, but he wasn't available. Mm-hmm. So they <laughs> asked for oh, yeah. So then Brune finds well, so He said, well, my can say that?" So I came to give dafez, and I went there, and uh, we attracted large crowds for come and learn. And then Rav Spitzer, who was the Rav of the Aguda, uh, had nine children, and he couldn't. He was transporting his children, and he left. And people in the Aguda uh, heard my share, and they asked me to become the Rav. And that was mm-hmm. 38 years ago. So that's how I became a Rav.
1: Interesting. And it wasn't, you weren't even going into it, but like really for the, for the position per se, it was sort no, of the position that presented no, itself once. No,
0: no, I really, really, I really did not have plans. You know, my, my oldest son, Nehemia, was a Rebbe in darche by Rabbi Bender. He prepared to become a Rebbe. He went to Ne'er Elef and he went to Rabbi Kramer's courses and he really prepared. I, I did not, you know, plan on becoming a rough It, you know, the, the vocation was chosen. <laughs> Hashem put me in the position.
1: No, but I want to, I want to go, I want to go in two directions here, but I want to go back for just a second. Could you, first of all, I'm I'm enamored by Rav Meisha. My my wife's family, um Rav Baruch Sachs is he needs a Ben But uh, he's a, Rebbe, a big he, Right, he's a Rebbe in, in Yeshiva Stan Island, as well as my brother-in-law Baruch Goldman learned you know in Stan Island. My family is very close with Rav Meisha. Um Rav Meisha was Rav Meisha to me. I know you were very very close with many Gedolei, the Klesenberg the Baba Vareba, um, and many many others. But uh, to me, Rav is such an allure. It's just who, who he was. What, you spent so many years by him. What, what, what could you share about Rav
0: Well, okay. So first of all, let me tell you the story about, I, I'm exactly like you. When I came to the yeshiva and I saw Rav I was like, <gasps> I mean, <laughs> oh, and, and I, I got a seat pretty close to the front. And I would just watch him. And I just wanted to be around this man. So there was a wonderful young man by the name of, of Meishi Badner, who was the mashamash, And he used to walk with this big tray with a heavy bottle of milk on it and and a big bottle of seltzer. And, and he would walk. And I went over to him one day and I said, Maishi. Could I carry the milk and the seltzer? And he looked at me. So why not? So I became the milk and seltzer guy. You know? And then, a year later, Moshe Badner left yeshiva. So I became the mishamash.
1: To and bring, him his, bring was, him his food, all the things that he needed to wear, in the yeshiva, in the dorm?
0: Well, what happened was, is like this. He came to yeshiva stat mound once a week to give a share, he gave the the, the safer Smash on shas which is only learned by by real real scholars because you know it's just the you have Anuf Aleph, which has twenty questions on the Suya from all over Shas. And then on a base that has four different ways to learn the sugya, and then piecing together and answering, and on of gimel that continues to answer all the questions. I mean, I mean, it, it, but those were the shiurim we heard from him. And he gave that shiur once a week. So he came on Wednesday to yeshiva. So when he came to Wednesday and yeshiva, I was downstairs. I helped him. I, I brought him to the base medish, I helped him this fill in, I helped him wash his hands. Then later on, I brought him breakfast, and then I brought him uh, the swarm he needed to prepare the share. And then later on after the share, I went with him to the car. I'll never forget. There was a tiny little, this, the, you know, the days way before cell phones, there was a tiny little phone on a stool in the hallway. On the way to the car, there was always a phone call waiting for him with a life or death question or some monumental Gaelish question. And he would answer it on the way to the car. And then after he finished, he continued talking about the shir. You know, so that's, I saw him once a week. And then for two months in the summer, he came up to Camp Staten Island, what we called the Camp Staten Island. It was yeshiva. It was, instead of having maybe a break of one hour, we had two hour break, but it was regular yeshiva. And he was, he had a bungalow there with his Rebetzin. And, and there I served him every day, the three meals. And I was in the bungalow a lot. Uh, I was very skinny in those days. I remember the Alta Rebetzins. Slusiog and Elena wanted to fatten me up. So she made me gefilter fish. I brought the gefilter fish. She put it in a pan and fried it with like breadcrumbs and gave it to me. I mean, I, I remember, you know, so I was i was pretty close to a in those days. And that was my Shaykhz. Now, to answer to you what I could share, I have to tell you that Rav had extraordinary Talmidim. I mean, we, we, for those that remember Rav Nisan Alpert, they remember Rav Ephraim Greenblatt and Rav Green Greenblatt. And the, 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 these were giants, Rabbi Elimelech I mean, giants of people. I was a kid. I I could not, in those days, comprehend what Revel Yoshev said about Rav Do you think I'm a Rav Moshe that I could write everything down? Or this famous story about revel Yoshev? of Zalman Abach and Rebavadya Yasef that got stumped on an Aguna question and they called Ramosha. Ramosha gave them an answer and they did a recud. I heard this from one of Rebel Yoshiv's gabayim. They did a rekut that there exists a man in the world like Ramosha. You know, I, I I was a kid. I didn't really didn't really grasp that. Maybe that's why I was such a good Mishamish because I didn't bother him so much. But what I did get from him was the two things. I watched his asmada. I mean, when he was wrapping his tefillin, he was learning Mishnahis. And he constantly finished Jesus and Mishnah, but he did it just when he was wrapping his tefillin. When he waited for a car, he had a little black tna'f that he had from his adam Rav Shizka, a regular Koran tna'f. And no Rashi. And he would learn Tanakh, all 24 Tanakh, straight. And, you know, the Shabbos morning, he would learn the seven blot of Daph in one sitting, you know. So I watched his mother, and that, you know, that affected me, how he could use every minute. And the other thing was his warmth. Oh, Rabbi Epstein, his warmth. He never shook your hand. He took both of his hands. And he hugged your hand. He, his, his hello to each bacher oozed with caring. How he would say thank you in broken English to the guy in the yeshiva that cleaned, thank you for cleaning the yeshiva. How he made a special trip down in his late 80s, two flights. To go into the kitchen to Mr. Yeager, Olav the cook, and thank him for making such delicious blintzes for the Bachrim. The cook would wait for this visit, and he did it with such a warmth. And 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 th- th- that that I I got by osmosis.
1: The different Kenyanim of Tyra, right? I'm saying that this you can't. It it could read it in a book, but when you're seeing it, it it has a, it has a different impact.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, it's a very important point because that's the meaning of Gidaila Shimusha Yaisimilimuda, that serving is greater than learning. Learning is intellectual. This is a different level of absorption. This is an emotional absorption. It's different than an intellectual absorption. That's why it's so important for people to take their children to see G'dayla. And it's a big mistake that people say think, but nowadays we don't have. We we every generation is given it given its gdailum. I remember when one of the uh, he's actually a member of the Moses deal now, but I don't want to say his name, but I remember that he told me that when the uh, when the Aguda Convention, this is before my time, when the Aguda Convention was once in Atlantic City. And on the dais was Ramosha and Rabiakov and 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 the the frialujeveva, who was one of the great war heroes of the Holocaust and I remember him telling me that his father said to him, "I look, look what the dais became and this is a what? Dais of <laughs> and Ramosha, look what the dais became, so you know this there's, uh, there's, <laughs> there's an all the time. But, you know, I, I remember I wrote a letter to Rav Moshe I was close to Rav Moshe the head of the Aguda for 50 years, you know, the one who really made the Siamashas Hashas and the platform for the Mayat Kedela to shine in America. So I remember saying to him that I was amazed that he was able to sit at the feet of Rav Palm when he sat at the feet of Rav Moshe and Rav Yaakov, and he sat at the feet of Rav the Lezy- Silver and Rav Sarotskin and, 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 and Rav Aaron Kotler. And, and he was able to give regard and appreciate to the G'dayvim of each generation. And I, I, we we need we need to bring our children to Gedaliah. We have great people today too. I mean, we have you know the my the Skully Rebbe um, who lives. Uh, I know there's different Skully Rebbe's, but the Skully Rebbe that lives between 13th and 14th Avenue, I believe, 49th Street or 48th Street. Uh, I'm I'm close with him. He he learns the entire day. He speaks English. People could go to him and 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 watch how he davens. You know, he, 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 I know because he machidah scully in South Fallsburg. You could go and go to the base, base medrash and watch him and talk to him. Uh, you, you know, there's so many people yet that we could learn from and, and watch. And when your children see it. It makes such a, an impression of a lifetime on them.
1: I, I, I wanna, I wanna ask you a question. I know that I had this conversation with various people who are, I'm gonna use the word speakers on Torah anytime, um, speakers, lecturers, but from different calibers, you know, obviously, um, and of course, not everybody is. It was created equal, and not everybody. And I'm not here to. Some people are of the opinion that. We're in a we're in a generation. It's almost like the information age, where there's just so much information that a person can pick up. I know people who, you know, besides learning every day, and besides, you know, they're in the car, they're listening to a share. They have podcasts that are just constantly pumping tire into their brains, and it's like unbelievable. At the same time, you have rabbanim that are so overloaded with responsibilities to their kehila. Is this is this an is this an expectation people should have? Meaning, should people be pushing? for for one-on-one sit down. I mean, I myself, I'm not even a rubber, I'm an accountant. You know, I deal with what I deal with um, and I do what I do. I get hundreds of emails a day. My wife said to me over Shabbos, she said, Ruben, you have to make an automatic email, which I finally did Matzah Shabbos to just, re- you know, auto reply to people. If you're calling about this, this is the thing. And I feel so guilty doing it because every person who takes the time to reach out deserves that Rav Moisha handshake with two hands and say, thank you for... I'm, I'm an accountant. I, I can't imagine how busy the life of a Rav is already. And I always believe that Rabbanim and Rebbeim are the unsung heroes because what they shoulder, nobody sees. People see the drasha and Shabbos. They don't see the sleepless nights. They don't see the endless tears. They don't see the person who cares about every single person in their kihila. Um, They don't see that. So they take them for granted, unfortunately, a lot of times. Um, is this something that people should be pushing Four. I'm, I'm very strongly of the opinion that people should, because, you know, it's, I was very close with, I am very close with Rubio Berkowitz and other Rebem, because I pushed very, very stark that I should have even five minutes with them here and five minutes with them there. Is okay, this an so, expectation people should have of their rabbanim?
0: Okay, so I, listen, you know, I give, give people advice for my own life. The, the, there was no way that everybody could get close to a. He was always learning. He was always learning. <laughs> and the answer to your question is, is, and I heard this from other people who succeeded in getting close to G'dayim. You have to figure out a way of doing a service for the government. It, it might be that he, he needs certain swarim and you figure out a way to get it for him. It might be, you know, I remember... I'll tell you, I, I was one of, I consider one of my Rebaim, Reverend Victor Miller. In the 70s, Reverend Victor Miller made an announcement on one of his famous tapes that if you listen to a hundred of his tapes, you could consider yourself an idealist. I listened to a hundred of his tapes already in the 70s, and I was, like, riveted by him. you You couldn't Ramilla learned every second, but I remember all the way at the end of Rav Miller's life, he was in Maimonides, and after my dafyaimi, which was 10, 15 in the night, I went over to Maimonides, and I went up to see if I could see him. It was right before his passing, and the Rebotson met me and said to me, the Rav is not seeing anybody anymore. So I waited there to say to him, and then an orderly came in to bring in the tray. So I stopped the orderly, I took the tray, and I asked the Rebison, should he bring in or should I bring it in? So the Robinson looked at me and said, you know, you have a point. So I got in, and I saw a miller, I believe it was the night before his batirah. Um, and, but that that's the way to do it. You have to figure out how can I do a service for the person? And then you'll get some exposure and it's worth it. It's worth it because it's, it's going to make an impression upon you for the rest of your life.
1: Now, I know that you have so many different mediums of Harbatsa Satara through your many books, through your connection with Seminary Girls, with your affiliation with Arya um, which is the highlight of, I know I could say from my year, the highlight of my year is, is that Shabbaton, going there, sitting, you know, and hearing. Um, I want to talk about a specific part uh, of this first, and then I'll talk about a different part. The first part I want to talk about is... Um, you have a very un- unique you, uh, approach to the Shabbos Draja. that that it, it's a call for action. It's not it's not just a dvar Torah. It's a it's a you're here to present a a. Not, I don't know what the right word is, like a directive to your kehila The Listen, right
0: word, Rabbi Epstein. The right word is impact.
1: Okay, I, so That's I know that you gave over Lamashal, You spoke about um, the importance of being of being Maver Sedra. First of all, I want to know how you view that segment of, of shul, impact. I want, I want to hear about that. But also, what other messages throughout the years have you, have you focused on to bring to the forefront?
0: Well, the truth of the matter is, is anything of impact. So, of course, shalom bias is a constant uh, subject that I uh, use the parasha, or the um, even or life cycle as a springboard for, it. because uh, Shalom Bayez is always pertinent and it's always changing. As you very well know, uh, we have to grow with Shalom Bayez. The children are in the house, children are out of the house. Uh, there is parnassa, there isn't parnassa, There's COVID, there's up in the mountains, there's home in the city, there's, you know, so that's number one. Number two, I love to speak about Davening because one of the, the biggest problems of the Drusha is the f- fact that retention is very poor. People go out of shul and you ask them, so what did the Rav speak about? You know what was good? I don't know, but I remember it was a good good speech. Yeah, it was good. You know, so, so what have I accomplished? So I'm always looking for things. And the biggest retention is by Dominic. Because if I share with somebody, I I just said uh, in in a speech, I I believe it was by my chumashir, I have now, uh, I think I'm actually competing with you because I have a a live chumashir every Thursday night at nine. So, uh, you know, so, but yeah, either one of us people could listen to, but later on it's archived anyway. So it really makes no difference. But um, but it, it, it says in B'chol right, that we say, what does that mean? That we're thanking Hashem? What do you think, we're lying? But it means that we're thanking Hashem because we want to thank Him sincerely, not because we're expecting to get something back. So you tell somebody that vart, and then they remember because they say it they- davening the next day. And they say it three times. So, you know, davening is a great thing to talk about. Um, Another thing to talk about is the temptations of the day. I speak often about not smoking because I I know it kills people. I I talk to people about wearing a seatbelt. I I talk to people about a lot of things that are pertinent to the day. I, I, I talk to them about looking at a person when you say, Shalom Aleichem. You know, I, I, you know, whatever is a challenge of the time, I speak about, that's what I view. And and it's always changing because there's always different challenges. You know, I talk to them about not making a I talk to them about not learning from the ways of our politicians. Whatever, whatever. whatever. And, and I try very hard that the, the drasha should, be something that people could take home to their Shabbos table and talk about it at the Shabbos table with the family.
1: You're initiating, you're initiating the conversation for the family, meaning to to shift and shape their hashkafa week by week.
0: That's correct. It could be lashon hara, to making them more aware about lashon hara. Maybe whenever I could, like like you said, Mavasedra, that's. Making an impact, getting people to do that. Many people told me, even in our yitzchak, that they never were maverider. They started to be maverider every week. That's yeah. life changing. Telling people what Reb Miller said that every time b- before your shemaneser, just think for a moment. What am I going to say ma'odim for in my shemaneser? I know I didn't have marv yet. I know that I'm going to say in my ma'odim, "Thank you, Hashem." that I had this wonderful opportunity with Rabbi Epstein to make an impact on other people. But but every Shemun Asrei, just have a thought about, I'm like, that's life-changing. It gives people what to do. Or, before Yom Kippur, telling people, before Yom Kippur starts, to ask your wife, do you forgive me? Ramil used to say, that'll change your din. And he could say, even if she says yes and she doesn't really mean it, it's already a better year.
1: Some be people are scared to ask that question. <laughs> um, and okay, now I wanted I want to focus on your on your education of of a certain demographics, which I saw. I, I mean, I speak Baruch Hashem here on Torah anytime, and I get tons and tons of emails. I noticed that there is a very high concentration amongst people who are. I'm going to say 16 to 22-year-olds, um, maybe that's just like our most, our most um, it, we're, we're very impactful, meaning we're very susceptible at that age for looking for growth, we're looking for things, and we're mature enough at that stage. Um, did you find the same thing? Is that why you've given so much of your time to seminary as well as to our Yitzchak and other people in that demographic?
0: Well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I, I like to teach, but I don't like to discipline, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I teach seminary girls because they're idle, and I don't need to discipline them. And I'll teach, and I do teach. You know, they're already older boys that I teach, and they're not, you know, you know, they're not younger. That's a that's a, a special skill. I you know I could get away with it and go to a city and speak to get on the floor and speak to kindergarten children and speak you know to from from fifth to eighth grade one time, but the soldiers that are in the classroom every day and especially the ones that are doing Zoom now with with a class full of thirty kids and trying trying to control the classroom that's a that's a special skill set. But um, I I always felt that I wanted to give the young ladies um, ideas on how to be better wives and better, better mothers and also the critical information of what to look for on a date. That was that was those three things are why I i've been teaching i 've taught twelfth grade or seminary for thirty five years and uh i i really i would hope that I changed the dynamics in families uh with what i taught um, as to young men um I basically want to give them uh knowledge of, ice, you see, I see when older people grow up and they didn't get certain skills in character when they were young. And uh, just like the one who talks in shul as a as young, young person continues very often doing it uh, through old age. Uh, so I I wanted to teach them about uh, anger management and uh, sensitivity and tolerance and and all of these traits uh, and not being lazy and 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 all of these traits when they're young and more malleable so that they get into good habits.
1: If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I remember that you you had once yeah. mentioned that probably one of the most um, important things to look for for a girl is that a boy has Simcha Sachaim, that he's happy to be alive. And I remember Rabbi Slav Berkowitz, my rebbe, he always says that when it comes to chenuch, it's also the first thing. Your kids have to know that you have Simcha Sachaim, or else what's so exciting about all your, the, the life that you're living, if you're not so excited about the life that you're living? Why should I want to live your life if you're not even happy about it? That's the well, that's that's why, a precursor. You know,
0: that's why we have to make sure to pay our rebbein properly. Because if the rebbe has to worry about paying his bills, and he, he's beaten down by that, he doesn't come into the classroom exuberant. A rebbe has to be, you know. It says that um, that at Har Sinai we heard the khaylos. Uh We we well, me. It says that we, the, the, that which was uh, written, we saw the Kailas. Right? It says that we saw the, the, the voices. How can you see the voices? So people picture musical notes dancing in the sky. But the, they say homiletically that it means that if, if you want to learn, you have to see. The Rebbe practice what he preaches. That's what it means to see the kailas, the, the, to, to be royas So you have to see our Rebbeim have to be exuberant. They have to be excited. They have to be happy. That's, it's so important.
1: That the, Rebbe, that the Rebbeim uh-huh. are taking care of. You're saying that they don't have these digas on their head while they're while they're doing it. I don't know, I don't know how anybody, I mean, no, I don't know how. It, 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 like you said before, it's a special skill set to be able to have a group of 30 tell me them it, When you see them, when you don't see them with my kids now learning, it's unbelievable. Um, it, it's a talent, it's a special kayak that these, that these men and women were, were granted or trained think, to do.
0: I think also today our rebellion have to be even more performers. They're- there is uh, less patience uh, and less zitzlach in today's day and age. You know, I once told Rabbi Respler from Torres Emmis that the best situation would be. You know, there's a there's there's a rule in Hollywood that the uh, you you shouldn't have a frame last for longer than a minute unless it has something very drastic. So I told him that to really succeed in the classroom, you have to have 60 Rebellion an hour and take an umbrella and pull them out every minute and put in a fresh one. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of attention span that people have nowadays. And th- therefore, our young Rebellion now have to have a lot of different skills.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I know that you've been, you've been very active, like we said before, um, with Me way back from the 80s. Um, I was very, I'm not going to use the word inspired, because, I mean, inspired is an understatement. First of all, by this last CMHS, but the one before as well, um, it was almost like a Maimed Har Sinai. I, I, I was just driving there this past time and just seeing so many yidn converging on one location, just to just to celebrate Dafiemi, was it was so moving to me. I get very moved by these. It's a, it's a claw thing. You've been involved. I don't know how popular it was back in the eighties. I don't know if it was as popular as it is today. And whoever was behind that, obviously you know Mayor Shapiro. But whoever was behind making this go from the level where it was to where it is now, what are the challenges of Daphyami or giving a Daphyami? What are the rewards of giving? a daf and, and and subscribing to doing the daf?
0: Okay, so first of all, you have to understand, when I started, just to give you a perspective of this, when I I started the dafyami, there was no art school. So it's a different <laughs> world. I started learning daf with the Sancino. As a matter of fact, I have an old Sancino shas, which uh, I, I, of course, don't use at all anymore. But when... I have thousands of Swarm Baruch Hashem in the house. And there was a period where we uh, wanted to get some more shelf space. You know, at that time, I had 23 swarm shanks in the house. Right. And I wanted to get more right. shelf space. So we, we, we sold off like a thousand doubles and swarm that I wasn't using. And I could not part with the San And, you know, the family said, why not? I mean, you're not using it. And I said, you know, because I held all six of my children on my lap to give them a feeding. And there was actual formula stains on the San You know, <laughs> um, so, so, you, you know, you ask one of the rewards of dafyami. So first of all, the first reward is finishing shahs. Because if you don't create a hischaivis for yourself, you're not going to finish Shas. You're, you're not going to open up and say, okay, I'm in the mood to learn mesectus Croesus. I mean, mesectus Croesus is so odd, and so long, and so detailed. You're not going to say, you know what, I think I'll learn Shluas, which is also a very odd mesectus, or Bechoros. And even if you do, you'll probably say after the first few blocks, nah, this is not for me. You know, the mission to finish shas. Is only if you do it one daf a day for 2,711 days. So you create for yourself a hischavis, a obligation. So that's one of the rewards of dafyan. If you wanna, you know, if you wanna, uh, this is a, a very favorite word of mine. One of Rav Meir Shapiro's zechitzadik lebrachas Yogan alainu's novelties was is that shas is for everybody. To many people, that was a novelty, and many people didn't agree with it. Not everybody's cut out to learn shas. I mean, you you know, you're you're a forensic accountant, right? (laughs) Not everybody could be a forensic accountant. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody t- to be an expert at physics. So to say that everybody could learn Yuvamus and Erevin and Nida and all of these difficult Mosechtas, you know, they used to be in Europe, they used to be the the Zugers shul, where people said Tillum. It was a big thing. People finished Tillum the whole day. And then there was the Ein Yaakov Shtibel where people learned the homiletics. You know, and there were very, and then there were people that learned, you know, brachas and easy mesectos and other people who learned to specialize in nazikin. But then there was a clutching kail. But to learn all of shas, And Ramea Shapiro said, no. We we know that each one of us, it's a normal mesectos need that each one of us learned before we were born, Amalek taught us when we were with our mother, malach taught us and then struck us over the lip. And we forgot it, but it's still in our subconscious. And everybody has that. That's why I'm paced up by the Seder. We say, Tisha me yo'idea, Tisha ani the nine months of Leda. The nine months of Leda, when we have uh, received the Mayim Amukim Eitz of And therefore, Dafyemi is for everybody. And Dafyemi is the way to recover that. Now, when I mentioned about having my children on my lap, I find that my children grew up to appreciate Torah because they saw that Tati always giving share, always learning. I remember we had three feet of snow and a homer came to the house and it took me, I was, there was only one lane carved through the Verrazano Bridge and I was the only car on the Verrazano Bridge. And they took me to my Sheeran bar park and I remember my children say, Tati's going to give Sheer in this? <laughs> and that left, uh, uh, you know, an indelible impression for life. And the girls grew up to know that this, centerpiece of life is Torah. You know, so Dafyami isn't just, you know, an hour or a night or an hour in the morning. It's a way of life. You talk about challenges. Oh, for the Maggid Sheer, it's challenging. It's challenging for the Maggid Sheer to, to give a Dafyami, the night of the seder is still a daf mi and the next day is the seder is still a daf and 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 the night before is bedikah night is still a daf mi and Purim night is still a daf and Shushan Purim night is still a daf mi and Tisha night is still a daf mi and Motzi Kippur is still a daf mi So that's a big challenge. It's not just for the my share, It's for all the heroes that come to learn the dafyaimi and it's a discipline that you know I. And Rabbi Kive said, "The purpose, you know, uh, a Jew without water is like a fish out of water. This is a, this is our oxygen.
1: It's, it's amazing because you've dedicated so much of your life to doing this all the way back from the beginning. I know you. Were, first of all, you're very well known for your circuit in the in the Cascals but also in hotels. Going way back, I don't know what year it was that it, that that got started." Um, but you were the original, I don't want to say the original, but the original like Pesach program it, w- with Rabbi Weiss. Meaning that was something that you had always married yourself to as a way to be Maravitz to people, no matter where they found themselves, whether it was in Yontif or the summer or whatever the case may be.
0: You know what? It's interesting, Rabbi Epstein. I'm going to tell you um, that I give credit to that to my father and Khaim Haim, al Khaim Taiben my mother, um, we went away to a hotel starting when I was 17 years old. And it's interesting, different people go to hotels for different reasons. Some people go for the food. A lot of people go for the food. Other people go because they just don't want the job of cleaning the house. There are people that go because they, now today, people go, they want to, the programs and the singers and the shiurim. And uh, there's all kinds of reasons. My father, Oliver Shalom, he wanted to help my mother because my, my mother at that time had a baby and she was in her forties, which was, uh, you know, pretty unusual in those days. And he wanted to help her, but also he wanted to give a platform for his son, my mayor to speak. And then later on for his next son, Yaisa And I started speaking. I, I still remember it, that the first hotel we went to was by the Seabag family, the Harbor Island Spa. It was called the Harbor Island Spa. And my father made a condition that his son should speak. And I started giving to Asha's then. That's when my career, I give complete credit to my parents and I remember my father sitting there, so proud. And my father had this beautiful trait, which parents should listen to. And that is, he was not spearing on his compliment. If I gave a drashi, he would come over to me, and he would say, wow! And I still remember that. I also remember the one time that I per- pronounced the word Catholicism wrong. I said Catholicism, uh, and my father said, "How could you do that? Can't happen. You can't. If you don't know a word for sure, don't say it." You know. So, so, so it started. It started then, and then we went to the Granite Hotel, and then you know he needs a big I shalem. He's getting better. I have a lot of akharzatayv to Mati Katz from Jep. You know, there, for many years there was the Mel Cats Katz uh, hotels, and Erwin uh, Mel is neshama should have an aliyah. Um, so Mati is uh, now recovering from COVID. Uh, he was he was very ill, and Mardechai Ben Chaya Sarah he should have a refusal. I have a lot of akharzatayv. I went there for many many good. Uh, 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 Pesach, uh, sometimes Sukkot. I always split it because I never went away from my shul. But I went because it was an amazing platform to be Margaret best I remember that I had a three series share on Shalom Bayes and we filled up the nightclub. I remember Mati said to me, you're going to make a share at 10.30 in the night? Are you kidding me? And I said, Mati, you're going to have afterwards an own egg and you're going to give out jelly donuts and all kinds of stuff. Don't worry, people are not going to sleep. I remember having the nightclub full of almost a thousand people coming and giving shit till twelve o'clock. The guy and were waiting in the hall still with their frying pans and everything with, the, with all the chocolates and everything so it was it was a it was a um an opportunity to be Margaret stone.
1: Well, you know, I I have, I'm not here to plug my own content, but I have a website called marriagepro.co where I have a dating seminar um, called Date Like a Pro and a marriage seminar. And the dating seminar, when I do it live, it usually takes about three to four hours to do. So on one of the Arnava programs, um, we had arranged to do this in the afternoon on, on one Pesach afternoon. And the person I arranged this with Rabbi Wallace and the person who was looking at the schedule said there must be a, a typo over here. We don't schedule a four-hour session <laughs> who's sitting through a four-hour thing. And the room, like, it was jam-packed with people. And it's amazing to me. People come, okay, people come for the food, but how much could you eat before you even get, before you even get to Arav Pesach? You're ready, like, you're full. So th- that's like a low motivation. But people really come out of these things with so much. And people, Mama, sat there for four hours and they go, okay, now we have questions. It's the whole afternoon.
0: Well, You'll be amazed. There are many places where people don't have the opportunity, especially from out of town, but not just from out of town. They belong to shuls where they don't have the opportunity on a regular basis to hear practical lessons. There are people, I know people that go to gateways and to go to Arnava and to go to these uh, weekends of inspiration, primarily to hear Torah and to listen to the speakers.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, now, I, I want to just preface this this next question by just saying for our audience that this is something that we had discussed before. Um, so I'm not springing this on Rabbi Weiss, but this is, I believe, a very important topic, something which I had been, thinking about it in the back of my mind for a long time, um, Rabbi Weiss is a role model for many, many people, for many, many various uh, areas in in life. And a few years ago, Rabbi Weiss ha- suffered a tragedy. His Reviton of 35 years passed away. And Rabbi Weiss his new Reviton, a very special woman. Um, Rabbi Weiss had this, like a public transition. Um, Rabbi Weiss, what could you share with us about that transition, and also the dating, the families, the blending? How did this all come together for you?
0: Okay, so I I think to give to discussion a little fair treatment, I want to start first with the tragedy that I experienced. Um, uh, I I was Baruch Hashem, B'l'i Ein Hara, extremely happily married for 35 years, and my wife had two bouts with cancer. Uh, one 17 years before she passed away, which she beat. And then two and a half years before she passed away, she had from perhaps the worst cancer, pancreatic cancer. And uh, she, when I took her to the doctor initially, they gave her six weeks. And she battled it for two and a half years um, She did over 32 chemos, each chemo stretching seven hours. Now, um, the reason why I mentioned this first is because there's certain, this is a platform, and I believe that, that this is a lesson that should be mentioned. And that is that... I spared my wife of knowing that she had pancreatic cancer the first year of her sickness. And that helped her greatly. People have to know, and it's this is not one size fits all, but people have to know in general when it comes to illness, and we daven, we say first refus hanefesh and then refus ha We must be concerned with the nefesh of the chayel. And if somebody hears that they have pancreatic cancer, they feel doomed. And therefore, if we don't have to say that, and we could protect the chayla, we don't have to, we, 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 the chayla knows they're sick, but we have to give hope. I, I, I saw from Rabbi Shalem that he says when we talk about the meiser, the worst person in, in, in Jewish life, the informer, so he say, al the worst thing is not to have hope that's what we wish the alem the slander we have to give people hope um also uh I want to remember her Baran, uh how she fought to live and at the end, we were zeichah just a few months before she passed away to walk down our last child to the chuppah. Uh, so that was, and uh, I remember how she would go to the chemo lab. And before she took chemo, she would take a tray and of food that was good for people taking chemo, sucking candies, and fruit chips, and all kinds of things that were good and offer it to all the other patients. And she she did Kiddush Hashem to her very last breath. Yehei Zichra Barach, and she should be a Melitzis Yosher for our entire family. Um, so now, after she passed away, and after the year of mourning, so uh, I... I... Uh, I had heard from the Babavarebba, from Shaman Mbabov, that it only says in the Torah one time Lai Toy. In a world that Hashem saw is by Yarali Kim's Kola Shah Hay Tai Maid, it only says Lai Toiv once. And that, that's Lai Tai Vaya Sa'adam Abada. It's not good for man to be alone. And um my Shalom, my first wife, uh, she set the way. Uh, she wanted to talk to me about remarrying, but I never let her because I never wanted her to feel that I gave up on her. So I never spoke to her. But she gathered my family one Hanukkah chased me out of the room and told them, listen, you know, your Tati is a young man and he has to remarry. And you better be good to his wife because otherwise I'm going to come back and haunt you. Uh, that's what she said
1: <laughs> uh,
0: uh and believe me, it makes a big difference when you hear that from your mother. It makes a very big difference uh but I'll be honest with you, Ruvain, and I'm speaking very frank uh after being very happily married for thirty five years, and i wasn't i'm not sprint chicken uh <laughs> You know, I was uh, really, really concerned about you know what my chances were. Uh, I was very proactive. Uh, we we have a we we, we have here on TorahAnytime.com, dot com Dr. Jack Cohn, who I knew about him from TorahAnytime.com. dot com, and although he's a Svadi, I went and I visited him, and I said to him, "Look, you know, I don't know anything. You know, I'm." A, Married for 35 years. I haven't been dating now for a very long time, you know, and I have no idea how to go about this. And, you know, I I, I took out my checkbook. I wrote him out a check for $1,000, and I said to him, I'm making you my agent. And uh, I started getting resumes, and nothing really, really excited me. I started getting a lot of resumes because there's many, many worthy women and uh, uh, Dr. Cohn, Dr. Cohn really didn't have anybody for me, but he knew he had a Shabbos meal by Sippy by, uh, Levy, uh, Mississippi Levy, who actually is Rabbi Pluchak's daughter. Uh, Rabbi Pluchak was one of the great losses during the COVID tragic time. His neshamah should have a lifta galia, he should be a melziosha for his family, and Sippy Levi was a therapist, and my wife, uh Shoshi, is also a therapist, and she said, you know, that's about what what Shoshi wants. And she made the Shidduch, and uh, Hashem gave me a tremendous Hatzlacha that I I found it, I found my my Ishishael, uh, Shoshi, so Zayn the first time. It was really a really uh, a big blessing. And I tell people that they they shouldn't be plagued by the feeling of guilt to their first wife or to their first husband, because as uh, Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim actually told somebody, this is a very big Kiddish one, Rav Chaim, somebody's first wife told them not to remarry. I don't want you to remarry. And the person afterwards felt he needed to, he went to Reb Chayim, and Reb Chayim told him, don't worry, now she knows the truth in Shemayim and now she wants you to remarry." That's what Reb said.
1: Reb Chaim Brisker.
0: No, Reb, yeah. Reb Chaim Uh can I ask You know, you remind me, Rabbi Epstein, it's like, like, you know, I forget myself sometime in the generation and uh, uh, I I said to a crowd of of uh, people, Rav Moshe, and somebody raised his hand and said, "Do you mean Rav Moshe Wolfson or uh, or, uh, or? <laughs> you know, it's like really funny, you know?" It's, it's, uh, but anyway, um, so so um, I was also fortified by the fact of knowing that very great rabbanim married again, whether it was the Chovetz Chaim, whether it was Reb Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov married, was very happy with both of his Rebetzins, whether it was Reb Freifeld who was extremely close to his first Rebetzin and very happy with his second Rebetzin. uh it, it, Now it used to be in the times of Chazal, in ancient times it was very customary for a person who lost his wife, Leno to marry a wife's sister. And actually, that was the case with the Novomitski Rebbe, another great loss of the COVID, the Chzadek He married his sister, his wife's sister, uh, because there was a feeling that there wouldn't be a wicked stepmother because uh, the sister would have a feeling for her nieces
1: mm-hmm.
0: and her nephews. Mm-hmm. So that was, there was such a, a trend then. We Americans, you know, you can't, you know, one sister and another, so it's not the same, it's not so easy. You know, uh, we Americans are, are you know, uh, are not so easy to pair up as they were perhaps in the olden days. But I want to give chizik to people that the Rebundi Shem doesn't, first of all, it shouldn't be nageya. Everybody should have their spouse, but, a hundred sponsor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that people should know that, you, you you could be happy again with the help of Hashem Bali Ayan Hara as I am and they should know that the Rabbinah Shalom doesn't want you to be alone. As Rev. Dessler said, when a person is alone they are wrapped up in me, myself and I. And Toiv is about being near Hashem. Hani Kirvasali Kimli Taiv and Hashem is a giver. And when you're married, you're constantly a giver. And that's what the Rabban Shalom wants. The Rabban wants us to be not mashnaim in a echad. And if you want it, bedevot um, to As to what you said about the blended families, my rabbits and shashi and I, when we got engaged, We went to the square rebbe for a bracha, a monthly. And the square rebbe told us, we asked him for any advice. So the square, he was very warm with us, as the square rebbe is. And he told us that we should be better to our new children than to our biological children. That's what he said to us. He says, that's how we should set out to have our And, you know, Baruch Hashem. I love my new children and uh, my wife loves her new children and uh, it it can be done. I have a rule. I have a rule that children that are not married, all my children were married, most of my wife's children were married. But sometimes somebody passes away young. Children that are not married, you cannot expect them to understand. It could be difficult. Somebody's taking the place of my mother, my father. Children that are married have to understand. They understand what it means to be married. So for children that are not married, we need to have a lot more patience and mm-hmm. uh, a lot more uh, tolerance to, mm-hmm. their, uh, to their sometimes inability to accept right away the new situation.
1: Right. Wow. I, you know, I find, and I, I want to hear your perspective on this also. Um, we have so many challenges. I mean, we have so, many, so much good, but we also have some challenges. But I find that as people get older in life, I mean, it's always like this. You try to get, you know, can't teach an, an old dog new tricks. That's the, that's the phraseology. As people get older, they become much more molded in who they, you know, in who they are. And I got married, Baruch Hashem, I was 21 years old, my wife was 19, um, with a bracha from Rebdun Sego, he told me before I came back to America, I went to him, I wanted to come back a little earlier, and he told me to stay for one more zman, and before I came back, he said, I promise you, if you stay for one more zman, you'll get married one, two, three. I said, one, two, three? He said, I promise you, one, two, three. So I stayed, and Baruch Hashem, I married my third girl on date number three. We went out once, twice, and the third time, and we got, we got, we got engaged as they say happily ever after. <laughs> that's not the direction I'm going but I wanted to say um, that I find that with a lot of people who are older um, you become much more um, set much more set in your ways and how you do things and in, in your mindset and your mentality um, it, it has to be part of obviously the conversation of how that whole dynamic plays out well I think
0: that it's a double edged thing. You're right, but when you're older, you also know yourself a lot better than when you're 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, when my wife and I went out, we knew what each one of us wants and uh, needs much better than when we were younger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it it is it is is double-edged, but you're 100% right. That's why we say there's a saying, young and dumb. <laughs> and that's the meaning of that saying, that it's much better to marry when the person is more malleable. And that's why the older the singles get, the bigger the challenge is, and the more difficulties when they come together. Right. You're 100% right about that. And mm-hmm. that's why, by the way, it, the the dating process... Uh, when people are older, it's very detailed and nitty-gritty because you know, each one knows what works for them and what doesn't work for them.
1: Okay. Now, just two more questions. Um, one is, and I will go one at a time. One is, again, I, I was saying in the beginning that if we would try to you know, just mention all the things that Baruch Hashem you've been able to accomplish um, and all the various programs you're involved with, I it, 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 I mean, it's a to have two minutes of your time, let alone an hour and a half of your time. It's um, my pleasure. Where, 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 what are you working on now, and where are you going from? Not going from here, but like, where? What do you? What do you have in the works between all the different things that you have going on? Well, I'll
0: I'll be honest with you. The first thing I'm working on is Daf Samak Vav and Shabbos.
1: Tomorrow's Daf. <laughs> Tomorrow's Daf. That's, that's that's
0: that's number one on my list. Then Thursday night at 9 o'clock, I have my Chumashir, which, by the way, the reason why my Chumashir is popular, you know, I've sent out over a million tapes and probably at least a quarter of a million CDs from the Chumashir, which is going on. I started my Chumashir in Beis Yisrael on 11th Avenue and 56th Street, probably now it's 37 years ago. And it's from then, I, you know, it's an interesting story. How I started sending out the tapes, uh, you know. I have a weekly subscription of my tape CDs now. It's also, you know, people could subscribe by getting the digital email. You know, now don't ask me why people would subscribe if they could get it on color and tar anytime that come You have to ask Hashem that question. But the lies is the lies is people subscribe by Hashem, and uh, it's not such a big cost of money but um I, I spend sometimes 8 to 10 hours in preparing just that chair you know just, just that commission. um uh i have certain things that i learn with my rebbitson we learn uh, every day we learn some laws of Lashon hara and we learn a little navi together and sometimes we learn Association together you know but uh, uh what i what i would like to work on in immediate future is my power benching, which uh, which sold. Uh, it's like it's in its uh, now. I think fourth or fifth printing. I want to make a part two because I never did Say and Yaloviyovay and Alanisim and the Rachman's for Bris. That's something I'd like to do. Um, I also have a dream to work on soon, sooner than later, with the help of Hashem. Haggadah, uh, which I want to call the impact Haggadah, with, you know, there's a lot of Torah on the Haggadah, but I want to show parents uh, and grandparents how they could take each part of the Haggadah and make an impact by the Seder, uh, you know, which is the purpose of the Seder, and, you know, the Seder is, is so much etched in our memory, it's one of our youngest memories, to make it meaningful. I'd also like to write on Siddur. I'd also like to write on Pikayovis, I'd also like to write on the Megillah. Uh, you know, and I have, you know, over thirty years of my Hebrew notes, all my Swarma English. I have like thirty years of my Hebrew notes on Chumash. I'd like to make it available to the yeshiva population in Lush and So Hashem should give me the chance to be able to do those things. That's that's what I want to do in the writing arena and in the speaking arena. I have a deep desire to to go around. You know, the Chavetz Chaim writes in the third volume of the Kol Kisrei that Rabbonim should go to other shuls and speak in other shuls because they could say, the visiting rabbi could say the same thing as the rab, but people listen to a visiting rabbi. And even in the day of Kalalashin and Torah, time that Gam and all the other venues, the podcast and everything, the physical visit of a Rav coming to your town and speaking and speaking to the children in the schools. I remember many years ago when I went to Memphis and people told me that they still remember Ramashin made a visit to Memphis. And his visit made such an impression on the people that people became from for that few hour visit. And and there's such an opportunity. You could change a marriage. You could light a fire under a child. You could change a person's davening posture. You do so many things. So I would like to get a chance to go to different places. As a matter of fact, I'm trying now, you know, and now... My dining room is my, you know, you know, my shul. You know, now you can speak in schools in Texas, and uh, that's your BIMA, That's and, your bema right now. <laughs> right, in the UK, my pulpit is really the right word. Yeah, you, the know, uh, you know You so, know, so I hope to be able to do more of that.
1: I okay. hear now. Um, just to, to, the last question before I ask it, I wanna I want to share with you an idea. Um, we had spoken in the past and this was something that had really struck me, um, very strongly, you know, when I'm, when I'm going into, let's say Landau's, which has, you know, minyanim around the clock or any shul or yeshiva whatever the case may be. Um, or even when it comes to voting, you know, I always have in my brain something that I don't remember who said it, but I remember hearing it as a kid, it was, you have to do your part. Meaning, you go walk into landaus. You're not going to be able to to, to sponsor the whole landaus. I mean, I'm not able to sponsor the whole landaus. Most people are not able to sponsor the whole landaus. You make a chesedin, right? If you give a dollar every tefillah that you walk in, or in your own shul, you make a chesedin. There's 100 people davening here. They have a budget of X amount divided by the amount of people. You do your part without making chesedinus for all the other people. When it comes to voting, you put cast your vote because you did your part. You did your histados for what you need to do. If everyone would do that. Then the world would be a better, happier place, and and things would be funded, and things would be going without so much fanfare of reaching out to two or three people to help shoulder the burden of all the things that we have going on. We spoke before about and being paid, you know, well, and I know that this is this is a topic that really could we could spend, you know, probably a few part series on this. Um, but my question, my question is, I find that I have let's say MarriagePro.com people. You know, they come on, they buy my curriculum and, and, and my dating seminar. Um, I always offer it. I say I offer it for 25% off. If you enter 25 off, 25 OFF, then you could get a 25% discount. But what? where can people find you? Meaning, where can people reach out to you? Where can people, otherwise you're in, you're in the middle of Staten Island. I was in Staten Island for three years by Rabbi Siegel Schul. Um, Staten Island's in the middle of everywhere and the middle of nowhere. Meaning it's, it's right. Everyone passes through Staten Island all the time. At the same time, like you're you're a beacon for so many people through your broadcast, which is going on for decades and decades. How can people find you? Reach out to you. Um, your content, on Facebook. Or where how, where where are you? Where are you located? What is the medium that people can get in touch with you?
0: Well, first of all, um, people that want to listen to me or watch me, uh, believe I and her, I think I have now close to nine thousand shiurim on Kol Wow. And uh, I know that I have over 4,000 shiurim on anytime.com. So with the help of Hashem, you know, if people can find me and, you know, you know, even if you don't have internet in your house and you're still living without the challenges of internet, you know, so God bless you, you know, it's a, it's a, you you know, sometimes people say, you know, how are these people outside in the COVID, don't they realize what's going on? And the answer is so many people don't realize what's going on. They don't, they don't have the smartphone that tells them what's going on in Italy and Greece. And, 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 and and the latest dire prediction of the CDC, they just don't know. They, you know, they, 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 maybe they have a flip phone or they don't have any phone, you know, and, and then, and they're living in a much more innocent world. But you know, even so, you have a, you, you have Kala Lush you, from your house phone. You know, I I have hundreds of my seminary shiurim for girls are on the. I have a special line over there for women. I recorded two missions a day for six years straight at the So there's a special line. Kala Lush gave me a special phone. Number, I'm going to announce it. It's 718-906-6471. You could learn two Mishnas a day in less than 15 minutes. It could be a new Seder, a Corona Seder. 718-906-6471. Learn two Mishnas a day. I explained it very clearly from, you know, you know by the Sema Shas, which you talked about, Rabbi Epstein. They didn't say Hadnur Shas, because it's not true. It's not Shisha Sadarim. Only learned four sedarim and brachas and nida to do shisha Saddam, you have to learn Mishnah then you'll do all shisha Saddam. that's why they said hanulach kalmid bavli but not hanulach shas so that number again is seven one eight nine zero six six four seven one kalaloshin is seven zero eight nine zero six sixty four hundred we all know torah anytime and you can the Mishnah is on torah anytime now also. Not that it's done day by day. So for the first half is there already. Um, and the Daf Dafyami is there. All of Shas is there. Like Rabbi Epstein said, he felt like learning Baba Basa. I got a call now that uh, somebody did not have the be- ability to have a, a, a bar because people can't get together. So, but he, li- he listened to Masekta's Tanis. The bar boy finished it by listening to Karl Lushin. You want to pick a Masekta? You know, even if you're not learning Dafiami, so listen to TaremyTime You can wow. become you can become part of my Zoom Dafyimi every night and join us. We have a lively Dafi. People talk. It's quarter to eight in the night and uh I I can't give the Zoom ID online, but I can give my email, which is a good address for me. It's very easy to remember because it's the initials of Rabbi Moshe Y Weiss Staten Island. So it's R-M-M-W-S-I at com. R-M-M-W-S-I at AOL.com. Um, and that, you can get me through that. You want to sponsor a share. You want to order a Safer. You want to subscribe to the CDs. You can get me, Rabbi Moshe Meir Weiss, Staten Island at uh and, uh and I hope if you're... You, you, you're around the tri-state area, you look at my columns, whether it's in the Jewish press, whether it's in the views, uh, a lot of times it's on Matsov as well. Um, and uh, maybe you look at one of my swarm, whether it's Passionate Judaism, whether it's power benching, whether it's challenging times, you know. Um, are you in a rush to get off, Rabbi Epstein?
1: Torah, anytime has there has has there their cut off? they their cut off. Oh, okay, Rabbi so Weiss, I, we have to do a part two and a part three. I just want to say, I just, just want
0: what? I just want to say that in challenging times, I even tackled Harry Potter, even <laughs> though even though I got criticized by by some people that felt that I shouldn't be. It's below me to talk about Harry Potter, but I felt that there was. There were tens of thousands
1: of Jewish children reading Harry Potter, so I should talk about it. Yeah, okay. So I, I just want to end with just one 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 thing 30 seconds here. And that is that many people, you know, they spend their lives doing investments in various things. But, Rabbi Weiss, you have spent your life investing in Ka'i Israel. Um, and people always come up with Chedushim in business, and you've come up with Chedushim in how to be a Marbet's Tire par excellence. It's been azchus to hear you throughout the years. It's been a azchus to um, be yainik from all the various mediums that you've set out. Um, I'm just one of probably hundreds of thousands of people who've been zaychat to hear your various teachings. Um, I want to thank you very much for giving again of your precious time. And thank you to your Rebetzin for giving up um, of you as well. Um, thank you to Torah Anytime for allowing the show, for promoting the show, and thank you to everybody who has tuned in and logged in. I've always, there are people who log in and they stay, they stay up in England half the night to watch this. Could you imagine? Half the night. Unbelievable. Um, and to all the people who tune in here and watch it later on in the rerun, thank you very much. Everybody should have a great evening. We look forward to seeing you in the Rabbi Ruben Epstein Show number eight, upcoming this Thursday night in Meretz Hashem. Well,
0: Rabbi Epstein, I want to say thank you to you, and Hashem should give you The Kayach to continue Hashem has given you a platform and you should use it well and wisely and benefit also hundreds of thousands of people. I also want to thank TorahAnytime.com and I look forward to a part two one day as well. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.